All right, good morning, everybody. Hey, thank you guys for being here this morning. Hey, we're going to get started this morning with a beautiful song, I know. Uh, Lorenzo, you want to come up here with us? Also known as Lo, I just put together today the, the, the whole nickname, Lo for Lorenzo. Uh, but our brother's going to share in song with us this morning. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, God bless you, brother. Thank you. First, I want to say praise the Lord. Because three weeks ago, I was hit by a car. And I got to be grateful this morning. I long to be here for this is my church. I love my pastor, Pastor Keith. He's a good man to me in this church. And I always felt like this church is not just a church but a family. But I want to say that I'm grateful to the Lord this morning because I could have been dead when I got hit by the car. But it just took two of my legs just for a minute. I can still walk. And I got to be grateful this morning. I can't let a day go by. Without praising your name. Oh, no, 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 no. I can't forget from when I came. I can't let a day go by. Without counting your cross, oh no, I can't let a day go by without praising your name. I went through the fire, I went through the flood, and like a good soldier, Lord. You know I've been tried, but I've got a story that's got to be told. You brought me out as <laughs> pure gold, and I just can't keep it to I've got to run, 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 tell somebody else. I want to tell them to hold on and be strong. Lord, you're still on the throne. And I just can't let a day go by without praising your name. Oh, no, 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 no. I can't forget from when I came. I can't let a day go by without counting your cross. I can't let a day go by without praising your name. And I don't want to let a day go by without praising your name. Hallelujah, Lord. I can't let a day go by without praising 
Man, was that awesome or what? Lo, thank you, brother. That was good. He asked me did I want to sing with him. I said, man, we don't need that today. So that was awesome. Thank you, brother. Well, man, thank you guys so much for being here this morning. If uh, you're just getting here or missed the announcement or wondered, hey, why did we have cupcakes and cake and all that good stuff? Today is the church at Southside, not officially the church at Southside, because if you remember part of our story, we started as a house church that turned into a church that met at a building just like most. Then God put a calling on our heart, and six years ago today, uh, we became a mobile church plant down the road on the church at Southside that met on the north side. You remember that part of our story, if you were with us? Uh, directionally challenged, but we made it back to the south side, thanks to the good folks at Norton's Florist here. Uh, but I want to tell you, my son, he was just, he was telling me, he said, man, I, I remember that first thing. It was a lot colder than it was today. Remember, it was super cold. There, at that point, I think we'd run off so many people that we were down to about 10 or 15 of us, and we gathered out there, and we just knew there was going to be this big crowd of folks joined us, and there was about 10 or 15 of us that day. And then for the next two or three weeks, it was that same 10 or 15, and I got to admit, in my mind, God had led us to this place. Uh, we had been outside and all this, and I said, man, God, are you even real? Because <laughs> this, is, this is silly. Nobody's joining us. Nobody's coming. And then uh, all of a sudden, then it was two, then it turned to four to six, and we started cooking out there. Anybody with us those days, remember we was cooking on the little Coleman camp stoves, and Grew to a big griddle that we were cooking out there. And then it grew to the fact that it was like, hey, we got so many folks coming. We can't cook out here anymore. We need to prepare ahead of time. And so I say all that to say happy anniversary. But more than that, let's do this. Let's pray and thank God for what he has done in those six years. But let's be bold enough to thank him in advance for what he's going to do in the years to come. Amen. By the way, this is no... I hope you know my heart, zero bragging on human effort because I've told you over and over, the food, the supplies, the all of it, provision from God. So let's give Him the praise for that. But I'll say this, in six years, we said in the beginning, let's make this where it's rain or shine, where every week nobody has to question, are the church at Southside people going to gather? Six years, rain or shine, even one odd snow day, a hurricane, the church at Southside has met every Sunday through a pandemic. I mean, let's thank God for that, but trust that even greater things are yet to come. Amen? Let's pray and thank Him. Father, we do. We thank You from the bottom of our heart. I was just telling Brantley, we were walking, I said, man, I've known all week going into this week that it's our six-year anniversary becoming a mobile church plant, but just the last... 30 minutes or so, it has just really sunk in and just honestly just overwhelming the goodness of you, God, and what you've done out here. No man, no woman has dreamed this up. It was from you, Holy Spirit. Been so many people along the way that have stayed the whole time. There's been 
those that have come and gone, there's been those that already have left this life and gone to the next, and we trust uh, that the love of Jesus encountered them while they're here and that they're with you. And so, Jesus, we just thank you for everything, every person that's ever walked uh, onto our parking lot that's been in the presence of this family. We pray that more than anything, your love has spoken to them. Just full transparency, we're not always going to get it right. We're going to mess things up. We're going to hurt people's feelings. We're going to drop the ball on things. We're sinful people, but we serve a risen Savior. And so we thank you, Jesus, that ultimately your love prevails even in spite of us. And so thank you for using this family. Thank you for using us as human beings, imperfect people that serve a perfect God. And so, Jesus, we thank you, and we say it all the time, we need you. We need you more today than we did yesterday. And so we thank you in advance for all the things that you're going to do. We thank you for what you have done. And Jesus, we thank you for, for what you will do. And so as long as the church at Southside exists, may we exist under the banner of the love, the grace, the mercy, compassion of Jesus Christ and point people to that love. And so Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we need you. We pray all this in your name. Amen. So, man, awesome stuff. Uh, so the last few weeks we have talked about faith, and I want to continue that today because, as I've said, I believe now more than ever faith is essential, uh, especially in the condition of our world. If we look and see just the, the news of the world, the, the things that are happening, uh, see how people are operating, living their life, now more than ever, faith, and I'll contend again with this. Everybody check this out. Everybody has faith in something. It may not be God. You may have chosen to place your faith in something else. You may not even call it faith, but you have faith nonetheless. Unless you were there in the beginning of however you think the beginning started, you've got faith in something. I have asked through this uh, study and through the Holy Spirit, hopefully, has asked you about putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And maybe you've tried it your way, maybe you've tried it science, maybe you've tried it based on what a family member told you or your past religious experience, but I pray that you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ through this study if you haven't already, and if not, hey, if you're still breathing today, there is still hope, there's still a chance. You got to listen to his call and listen to that call of faith. It's going to take faith in him. But the last few weeks, we've talked about Moses. And as we did, I said we would talk about him over the next few weeks because he was mentioned so many times in different events in Hebrews 11. If you remember, first, we looked at his birth. Remember that? The king's edict, throw all the male-born children into the Nile. It was not going to end well for them if that happens, right? And so the, the mom and dad, it's really the story of their faith, for three months hides out little Moses, and instead of throwing him into the river, what did they do? They placed him in a basket, right? They sent him down. And then when God's providence and protection, he sends Moses down to Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter is out there, takes mercy on him, the servant girl says, should I go and grab a, a nursing uh, mother for the child? Yes, that would be awesome. And then again, God's providence, it's Moses' mom, right? So then we get to fast forward a little bit and we looked at the faith of Moses leaving Egypt. 
that he had grown up and he had grown into a man. And it said that he refused to be called Pharaoh's daughter and would choose rather to be mistreated with his own people, the people of God, than to remain in all the luxury, all the lifestyle that was Egypt at the time. He had it made, had everything. And he said, no, I choose instead which led to a burning bush and an experience where he encounters God one-on-one. And God tells him, Moses, by the way, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. This is not just an angel you're talking to. This is Almighty God. And I have a message for you. I want you to go to the most powerful man in the world, and I want you to tell him these words. Let my people go. The most powerful man in all the world. And Moses then answers like most of us would. First off, he answered correctly and said, here I am. When God said Moses, that's a great way to start. If God's calling your name today, simply start. Here I am. That's a real easy one. Here I am. I'm available. I'm I'm all ears. And then he talks and he says further on though, as God calls him to this, I think the, the weight of the story, the weight of going to the most powerful man in the world that could have him killed in an instant and and say, let my people go. Moses then goes to God and says, who am I? I love this question because Moses asked the wrong question. It was never about who he was. It was about who God was. And that's how God answers him. Moses, I'm far less concerned with who you are because I made you. Tell him I am who I am. That's more important question about who is who. You are who I created. I have a mission for you, but I am who I am. I am whatever you need. And so we see that in this burning bush and this calling to go back. And then we get to the moment where last week we looked at all of these plagues that have happened. And then the promise of, hey, there is going to be this Passover moment. Remember I said last week, we all need individually that Passover moment. Right? Not the historical event and retelling. I talked about the foreshadowing of this. That it was a Passover moment that we were all in need of. That you will cover the doorpost of your heart, if you will, with something. And you will stand before God and answer for whatever that covering is. Could it be self? Could it be religion? Could it be church membership? Could it be all of these things? That if that is what you're counting on is going to lead to a devil's hell, or would it be the blood of Jesus Christ that covers the doorpost that when you stand before God in that holy moment, He says, not because of you, but because of my Son, come in. And so we see all of these things. And then this Passover moment, you know from reading the story and knowing the story of Moses, leads to the Exodus. We've been in the book of Exodus as we've looked at Hebrews 11. And so we'll pick up there today. Remember the birth, the life, the leaving of Moses, this uh, Passover moment. And then we get to a place today, Hebrews eleven twenty nine. This will be the last week that we look at Moses We look at the crossing of the Red Sea. So Hebrews 11.29 says this. See if you've heard this before. Everybody listen up real quick. I got two words for you. You want to guess what they are? Anybody? We've been talking about faith. By faith. You remember that? It shows up all the time. Anybody want to take a stab at the definition of faith? Do you remember that at all? You ought to have that memorized by now. Complete trust and confidence in someone or something. We know that ours should be Jesus Christ. And so by faith, again, it starts out that way. By faith, the people, the people of Israel, crossed the Red Sea as if it were on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, 
were drowned. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the call to faith. And Father, I pray uh, just simply and humbly uh, that everyone who hears that call would answer. They would come to know you as Lord and Savior for the first time. If they've yet to do that, today would be that day. And Father, if uh, they've already answered that call of faith, that today would be a moment that we would look at the people of Israel, look at the situation they're in, and see how by faith they walked on dry ground, that we too would have that same kind of faith that Moses displayed uh, by going to you, God, and talking to you about a very real threat that was in front of them and a threat that was behind them. He chose to have faith and be unafraid and trust in you. May we do the same in whatever situation that we find ourselves in in life. Jesus, we thank you and we need you. We pray it in your name. Amen. So we've got this crossing of the Red Sea moment. And as we've done through this study, I want us to go back to the Old Testament and look at this story. And so as we do, it's a, a kind of a longer story, but I, I feel, you know, nonetheless, it's so important to kind of have the context of where we're at. So I want to read uh, a good portion of this. I won't read it all, but some of this story of crossing the Red Sea. So hang on with me. It says, When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And this is what they said, What is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? Remember, they are in servitude. And the whole thing even started going way back to Moses' birth, that the people of Israel are growing so large that should they choose to have an uprising, we've got a problem on our hands. And so Pharaoh, even back when Moses is this little boy, has this thought, if we kill all the male children, then they'll stay in line, they'll listen to us, they'll do what they say, all of these things. Well, all of these moments were the let my people go. And some of them, Pharaoh would just say no, and then God would send a plague. And then there would be a moment where he'd say, well, I'll let you go only so far, but then you've got to come back. And then another plague. Well, then I'll let you go, but then he changes his mind. You see this whole pattern developing. And so even here, when he finally at this Passover moment says, that's enough. Get out of here. Go. Take them and leave. Don't come back. Then the moment of reality sets in. What have we done? We've let them leave. They may come back and try to to start something with us, right? And they've seen all the power of the plagues, all of these things that are going. And so he he goes, he said, we've let them leave. Verse 6. So he made ready his chariot, and he took his army with him. Listen to what he took with him. He took 600 chosen chariots. 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt. So every chariot they had, right? Anybody ever seen like uh, the Ten Commandments, see the the chariots, uh, Gladiator? Uh, By the way, if you look at Gladiator, there's a little glitch in there where it's a very modern chariot. Just go and watch it. It's kind of cool. But you see those chariots, I want you to imagine 600 of the chosen choices chariots up front with Pharaoh and his chariot with all the pomp and circumstance, I'm sure dressed to the nines, right? Like very regal and official looking, him leading the charge as a very powerful man, 600 chosen behind him. And then, oh, by the way, the rest of the chariots we got and foot soldiers. Go after him. Go after him, right? So you you picture the scene. I mean, this is the people of Israel having the Passover moment. They're leaving, and all of this is following behind. So it says, And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. 
And he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen, his army. Now listen to this. It says, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the range of emotions that there's been this Passover moment, this huge celebration of, hey, we had the blood on our doorposts, and he passed over us, right? The name. He passed over us. We had his protection. By the way, I want to say this. I believe if there were Egyptians who believed in the message of Moses, the message of God, and painted the blood over their door, I think they would have been spared as well. I think they had a choice. In fact, I think Pharaoh had a continual choice. He over and over has this servant, this man of God that has been called with the Word of God and stands before him and says, God says, let my people go. I'm of the opinion that if Pharaoh had let them go, then he would have chosen rightly. He didn't make that choice. He had a choice. But I want you to picture that, that they finally are in this euphoric moment of, man, I can't believe this. We're out of servitude. We're getting to to escape. We're we're leaving. We're finally going to, to get this promised land one day. Like everything is coming true. And then can you imagine hearing off in the distance, can you imagine how loud that 600 plus chariots and foot soldiers coming after you, yelling, screaming, probably like echoing through their body. It's so loud. And then what do the people of Israel do? So they're taking this direction that Moses has given them as following instruction by the Lord and they are encountered with a sea in front of them. Again, get the picture. A sea in front and an army that is wanting to destroy and kill behind them. Can I tell you, this is another historical event that also has some foreshadowing in your life. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt like you're at the edge of the sea, that you've got this huge problem in front of you and this huge problem behind you, and you feel, I got nowhere to go? Have you ever felt that? It's either one or two options. It's yes or you're lying. Because everybody's felt that. I don't care what situation in life. I don't care where you're at, how old you are, your background, your race, your religion. Everybody has felt like I'm at a moment here where there's no hope. What do I do? And so this is a very real problem. A problem in front, a problem behind. There is nowhere else to turn. And listen to what the people of Israel did. It says they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, listen how he says it to them. Did you do this because there's no graves in Egypt? Like, we're going to die right now. Did you just want to march us out, get our hopes up? Bring us here to the Red Sea and then Egypt kill us all. Were there no graves in Israel? At least we were alive and we could have worked until we died. Were there no graves? I can't imagine Moses feeling in this point of standing there at this improbable situation, yet he is someone that is leading by faith. He's doing exactly what God has called him to do. And by the way, when you do exactly what God has called you to do, sometimes it will put you in uncomfortable situations or improbable situations, like having a nice comfortable building, I'm not equating this to the Red Sea, and God calling to go out into the streets, to go Like, that was not man-made. 
This is Moses' situation. That was not man-made. God called him to this. God led him to this moment. And now he's there with a sea in front, a charging army behind, and now a complaining people. We're going to die. Was there not room for us to die back there, at least in peace? At least we wouldn't have been killed this way. We would have just worked our fingers to the bones as slaves, and we would have died there and been buried in Egypt. But now I'm faced with the Red Sea in front of us, an enemy behind us, and nowhere to go. Again, they continue, says, What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Listen to what Moses says. Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. Can I tell you, if you want a definition of faith... Now, how did Moses know this? Well, one, I'm going to tell you this. He was raised by some parents who were unafraid of the king's edict and said, we ain't throwing our child into the Nile. We're going to place him in a basket and send him on and trust that God is going to protect like he's told us he will. He's learned this his whole life. And then the moments of faith that built on top of one another. In fact, right now, your faith may feel so small But one little act of faith on top of another, on top of another, builds enough courage to stand in front of a giant should he call you to do it. In fact, I'm kind of encouraged by the words of Jesus where he says, all you need is the faith of what? Remember what he says? A mustard seed. Little bitty mustard seed. If you just have that, you could look at that mountain and tell it to move and it would. What if you had even more faith than that? What if that faith grew? I mean, this is Moses that is standing there. And listen again, don't be afraid. Stand firm. Do you realize how hard it is to stand firm when an enemy is barreling towards you that you can hear and feel in the ground? Stand firm. And by the way, God is going to work out your salvation today. You'll see it. Stand firm. You will see it. It says, for the Egyptians whom you see today shall never see again. Moses is calling his shot. We don't have to worry about them. God is going to take care of them. The Lord will fight for you. I want to give you this bonus thing. Everybody look this way. The Lord can fight for you better than you can fight for yourself. How do I know? Well, one, and most importantly, the Word says it. Two, I've tried it both ways. He will fight for you better than you can fight for yourself. The Lord will fight for you. And you only have to be silent. Well, is that not hard? But, but uh, oh God, couldn't you do it this way? <laughs> Don't we love to give God advice? I mean, the creator of the universe, God, if you would just do it this way, if you would just give me that relationship, if you would just give me this job, if you would just give me a house, if you would just give me a car, if you would just, he'll fight for you. Just stand silent. Trust. In faith, by faith. The Lord says to Moses, God, if there's anybody that's got a difficult job, it was Moses. He says, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Can you imagine right there, they're standing at the sea, go forward. Uh, Hello, um, God, I don't know about that whole going forward thing, right? 
We got a sea in front of us, and there's an army behind us. Can't go back, can't go forward. What are we doing? He says, tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. Anybody think Moses at that moment, that faith he had said, uh, hold on a minute, just so I have this correctly, you want me to, the enemy, you know, they're running behind us. You want me to stand in front of the sea, stick my staff out, and the sea's going to do what now? But you know, I don't see that conversation. Maybe it was there. I, I promise you Moses probably had that thought internally. Say again. You know, like we hear the story, and it's even tough for us to believe in faith to come to a story and say that an actual sea parts and people walk through it. That's tough. It's hard for our minds to grasp that. But at least we've got context that it's happened before. Uh, you know, a little different scenario, but even later on, the, the people of Israel crossing the Jordan River. Done in a different manner, but still, like this impossible thing. At least we've got the context of, hey, that's happened before. This, to my knowledge, had never happened before. And he tells Moses, yeah, I want you to stand, you heard me right, I want you to stand at the sea, hold your staff out, and the waters will part, and you're going to walk through on dry ground. He says, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots, his horsemen, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then it says, the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them and a pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them coming between them and the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was a cloud and darkness, and it lit up night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right and to their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea. All Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, his horsemen, and in the morning watched the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud, looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord says to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots of the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained, but the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea waters, being a wall to them to their right and to their left. Two more verses. 
Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and the Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and His servant Moses. That's a lot, I know, but man, what a crazy story, right? What this uh, wild story here. But I want to take you back. I believe that there is a misunderstood portion of this scripture and many will disagree with me and that's fine it's not essential to me that you agree with me in fact I have been on record to say this everybody look this way if you agree with me a hundred percent on everything I ever say check your heart and pray and listen to God shouldn't agree with a man a hundred percent right I'm going to get it wrong. I may have this wrong, but all I can do is tell you from my years of study, my thoughts, my theology of what is going on here. And so I want to share that with you and leave it up to you and the Holy Spirit for you to make up your mind yourself. I believe one of the most misused verses in all of this, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh in Egypt. Now here's what I mean by this. Did he do that? Absolutely he did. But here's where I want to say, differ for those that would say that God hardened the heart, they had no choice at all. I think that's misunderstood and misrepresented and quite honestly abused. Did they have a choice? Yes. Do you have a choice? Yes. But, hear me out on this. I can't tell you when this day will come, but just as for Pharaoh, there is a day, Romans 1.28 calls it this, It says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased or depraved, or if you're King James, a reprobate mind. I believe that's what happened here. And you can disagree with that, but I believe that Pharaoh had a choice. If Moses stood before him and said, let my people go, and Pharaoh repents and says, you're right, this is wrong. There is no God but the God of Israel. I believe Pharaoh finds salvation. But he didn't. He said no. He had a direct message from God. By the way, just like you have had. If you've been with us, you have heard the call to salvation. Now whether you've listened and gave way or not, I can't answer that for you. But there will come a day, I believe, that should you keep rejecting, he will turn you over and say fine. He will not issue that call anymore. But I believe that day is not today. If you're still here and you've got a pulse, I believe Part of that purpose is to enter into relationship with Jesus, but you have to make that choice. You choose Christ or you choose your own way. Again, it's that Passover moment. What do you choose to have covering the doorpost of your heart? Jesus is the only way. I pray that you don't test it out to that point where it's too late. You reject it enough that he says, fine, I'll turn you over to that. If that's what you want, if you want your own way or some other way, Godspeed. That's what happened here. You cannot look at the character of a loving God and say that they were created from the beginning, created from the beginning to zero choice to choose God. I will not believe in a God that is portrayed in that way. It's not the message of Jesus. Now, will some choose to not choose God? Absolutely. Will that separate them from Him for all eternity? One million percent. But if you choose life, if you choose Jesus, you choose His way, then you're in. As a son, as a daughter. 
And so he gives choice to follow God. And I'll say this in, in last on this thought. You say, well, I just don't, I don't know. I, I believe that it's, you know, it was just that way and they were made for this and everything. I just want to share with this this verse. I believe that everyone has a chance to follow God. Romans 1.20 says this, based on the invisible attributes of God. Here's what I want to show you the invisible attributes of God are. Everybody look to the sky. We don't see God, right? But we see clouds. We see the sun if it was sticking out. We see trees. We see all of these things that he created. It takes me back to even a relationship I had with my dad as a, as a young boy. Him taking me fishing. My dad was not a believer at that time. He was a great dad. He is a believer now. I thank the Lord for that. But I remember him even not being a believer. And there's something about a sunrise on the water. There's something about a sunrise from the woods, right? It's just beautiful. And I remember him seeing that because we always had to get out dark and early. I don't know why fish couldn't bite when the sun's up, but that's just the way he was. You had to be there early. But listen, as we would see the sun come up, my lost father would say this, God sure knew what he was doing when he made that. What is that? It's the invisible attributes of a holy God. It says, even from that alone, should there not be a preacher, should there not be the word in your hand, even the invisible attributes of God should be enough to bring you into faith relationship with Him because man, it says, is without excuse. Last thing I'll say on it, a pretty good excuse is, I was created and you never gave me a choice. You have a choice to choose or reject the love of Jesus. I'll say that to my dying day. You have a choice. The choice is yours. I believe the call is out there for everyone to enter a relationship. Will you choose or will you reject? Continue on. I want you to think about this. Uh, I've got to say these things. Can you imagine Israel looking up and seeing Pharaoh on the way? Again, the no graves in Egypt. Why did you do this to us, Moses? Moses' response, I want to say this because this is a great lesson here for my life and for your life. Fear not. That's much easier said than done, isn't it? And it's so easy to be fearful, and it's so easy to worry, isn't it? So easy to stress or have anxiety. It's so easy. Because see, we get wrapped up in the here and now. We don't enter into that with faith. Faith is not just for your Sunday morning experience. Faith is not just when you read the Bible. Faith should be every waking moment of your life that you live by faith, that I live by faith. Confession, I don't. I want to, but a lot of times my mind takes over. I stress, I worry, I have anxiety, I'm anxious. I feel like I got to make it happen. Anybody else want to do that, say that? He says, fear not. Just fear not. So simple, right? And then the great lesson, he says, the Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent. What faith? Then you go to this crazy experience of cloud and then fire and then the Red Sea in front of them and Egypt behind them trapped. Can I ask you a question this morning in all sincerity? Do you ever feel trapped? You ever feel like, Man, the Red Sea is in front of me. And you say, oh, okay, I hit this roadblock and like, there's no way I can make it past this. And then you turn around only to see Egypt barreling towards you. You say, I don't know what to do. 
If I go that way, I'm screwed. If I go that way, I'm screwed. I, I don't know what to do. Fear not. Fear not. Unless you don't know Him. Then I would be very fearful and listen to the call of salvation today. You see, we just come out of Halloween. That's that, uh, you know, that spooky season a lot of people like, right? And it, it, There's all kind of verses that say fear not, but I would say this, unless you don't know Him. That's very fearful. We don't know when our last breath will be. In fact, I'll even say this, this is not a scare tactic. I fear for you if you don't know Him just in the daily. How you go through your day without faith in Christ, I don't know in this world. Something to, to lean on and to be your everything and to trust every situation. The Lord will fight for me because I know Him and He knows me. You only have to be silent. By the way, I think that goes a long way too when people attack you or say things about you. I had an experience about that a few weeks ago. I won't get into it, but just this vitriol that came after me and people attacking and people saying names and words that weren't true. And you know what the initial response is? You want to get on social media or you want to get on somewhere and get on your soapbox and say, you know what, that's not true. I did this, I did that. The Lord fight for me. It's all right. By the way, some of you did too. Some of you commented on some things and set some people straight. And I appreciate that. But the Lord will fight for you. We only would be silent. So here's what I hope for you. By faith, when the moment comes, maybe it feels as if the Red Sea is in front of you and Egypt is behind you, I pray that by faith that you'll trust that God will make a way for His own. If you know Him. Again, I can't stress that enough. you got to know Him. I pray that you listen to the call of salvation if the Holy Spirit is speaking, saying you know you need that. You need that relationship with me. Then today can be the day of salvation. That's in Christ alone. No other way will get you to the Father except by Jesus Christ. So reminder in closing, the Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent. Can I share with you one thing in closing? I think the reason for the call of silence is this. I don't think it's that God doesn't want to hear from you. He wants to speak to you. How can, you, how can He speak to you if you're constantly talking to other people or to Him? Listen. Trust that He will fight for you and be silent to hear. He may be telling you the same thing He did to Moses. Yeah, the sea is in front of you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your staff and I want you to see the waters part. I'm going to walk you through on dry ground and we're going to celebrate victory together but you may be so busy panicked and fearful and anxiety and all the conversation in your mind well if I'll just do this or if I'll just do that or anybody make a list out here I'm notorious for a list I got a list about when I lose my list I make lists of things that's how my mind works it just processes that way and you may have your to-do list all laid out and you look at all these plans and by worldly standards it might be a pretty good plan but I promise you a better one is let him fight for you. Be silent and listen to what he has for you. He may have been telling you the whole time, I've already told you how to go through the sea. You just won't listen. That's beautiful, Jennifer. He's already worked it out. 
Could just be you in the way, <laughs> me in the way. Just not listening, not following, trying it our own way, trying it on our own. And some of us are arrogant enough to hit it with the way of saying, you know what? This problem isn't big enough for God. I'm just going to handle it. He cares about you. He cares about every detail in your life. Just give it to Him and to listen. So I ask you this question. By faith, do you believe? I can't answer that for you. But I pray you say yes. I pray you say yes to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Anything else, any covering that we try to manufacture is going to fall short. Jesus, He's the way. If there's any message I want these six years, and I want the next six years, and the next six years, or however long God gives us as a faith family, I want it to be about the love of Jesus, that He's the way. If you're in with me, let's pray that. Father, we just thank You for this day that You've given us. We thank You for the saving faith that is found in Jesus Christ. We thank you that that's available. And so I pray that you speak to hearts this morning. If someone here doesn't know you, and I know in a crowd this size, there has to be someone here that is yet to enter into a relationship with you, that today would be the day. All we have to do is trust and believe in that calling that you've given us. Your Holy Spirit is speaking and saying, you know this is true. You know this is correct. You need a Savior, and that's me. That is Jesus. And so listen to the Holy Spirit. Just say yes. I think you're in at that point. If we've already done that, then I pray that even a message like today encourages us that when the next time in our life, or maybe even right now, when it feels as if the Red Sea is in front and Egypt is behind, or whatever other picture we want to give it, that we would do like Moses and say, just be still and know that he will fight for me and just listen. Listen for your instructions, Jesus. Your Holy Spirit will speak to us. And so we love you. We say it all the time, but we need you. Where we fall short, Jesus, we need you. My prayer is that everyone here doesn't trust on their own understanding, their own way to salvation, but they trust in the way, the only way and that is you Jesus just grow our faith if it's yet to begin start it today if it's been going for a hundred years grow it today help us to walk one step closer to you in that faith Jesus we love you Jesus we need you we pray it in your name amen